As I said a moment ago, I want to do some teaching today on prayer. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and open it to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. You can find it on your iPhone, iPad, and other smart devices, but uh, look up Matthew chapter 6. I think all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ understand how important prayer is, and most of us want to pray effectively and in a way that's meaningful. But let's be honest, prayer is often a struggle. Those of us who go to church all the time too often pray very little. And then when we do pray, it's not always meaningful and we're wondering if it's effective. A lot of times in churches we talk about praying more than we actually pray. How many of you, for instance, have ever been part of a group at church, maybe it was a prayer meeting, a Sunday school class, or some gathering of Christians at church, and you spent... 20 minutes, 30 minutes taking prayer requests, you know, pray for so-and-so and pray for him and pray for her, and we go through this long litany of prayer requests, and after 30 minutes of taking prayer requests, we call on one person who spends about three or four minutes actually praying for all of them, right? That's what happens often in churches. We spend more time talking about the things we want to pray for than actually praying for them. Or how many of you have ever done this? I know I have. You've said to yourself, you know, I need to pray more. I need to grow my prayer life. And so you, you, you're genuine and you mean it. You make a good faith effort. But after a little while, you find yourself slipping back into the old habits. And it doesn't last. You don't pray more just for a little while. And you struggle. Anybody ever had that experience? I'm making a commitment to pray. And after a week or a month or whatever, you're back to the old, the old way. It's a struggle quite often. What happens? Well, there are a lot of things it could be. Sometimes... Um, we don't really know how to pray. And we don't have a specific, practical, workable plan that would help us to pray more or pray effectively or in a way that's meaningful. Other times, life happens. I mean, you make a commitment to pray more and then things happen in your family, things happen at work and your schedule changes. You thought you'd have free time, but now you don't and you're busier than ever. But I also think something else sometimes happens. I think sometimes we start praying, and after a season of prayer, we get bored with it. Now, I know it doesn't sound very spiritual to say we get bored praying, but I do believe that boredom when it comes to praying is a problem for a lot of us and probably at some point in our journey with Jesus for all of us. How many of you have ever found yourself, or it's my time, I've got to have my quiet time. You're reading scripture and you're praying, and right in the middle of your quiet time, you're doing this, you know. It's all you can do to stay awake in your quiet time. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one? Huh? I'd say you know, that's, that can be fatigue, that can be boredom. How many of you have ever been praying for someone and you prayed for that same person? every day for weeks and months and maybe years and you pray the same prayer and after a while it's by rote memory it doesn't mean much you're doing it because you care and you're real but it becomes boring to pray the same words every single day day after day week after week month after month i believe boredom is a big problem for many christians when it comes to praying it becomes monotonous ritualistic habitual for instance um Earlier this week, Monisa and I were driving. We, we were downtown Rock Hill, and we headed out on Highway 5. We wanted to go out toward uh, the Jackson's Cafe area. And so after you get out from downtown on 5, you need to turn right on Heckle. You know what I'm talking about? All right. 
And we're talking and driving. The next thing we know, we don't realize we've missed our turn until we see Northwestern High School. Have you ever done anything like that? You're just driving out of habit. You're planning to go here, but because of habit, you end up there. Well, I missed it because you're just like in robot mode. Anybody done that? All you teenagers, you got your new driver's license? That's your future. Drive like a robot. Miss where you're going. It just happens, right? The same thing can happen in our spiritual life. It can happen in our in our uh, our, our prayer life. I, I, there have been times... When I'm praying before I eat dinner at a restaurant, you know, I'm by myself. Let's say I'm, I'm by myself and I want to bow my head and say a prayer before I eat. And I, I can remember a few times when I have found myself saying, Steve, you're saying the same exact words you say every time you bow your head by yourself to pray before you eat. It's just habitual. And I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. I'm just saying it. Can I get a witness? Anybody been there? Habitual, monotonous, and at times it becomes boring. Now, yes, we love Jesus and we're genuine, but it's not all that passionate and it's not heartfelt, and we're not even thinking about what we're praying. It's the old joke, you know, in church, you know, when deacons do the offertory prayer. Now, Alan did a good job a while ago, so it's none of our deacons. None of our deacons ever do this, okay? But you, you've been to these churches, right? The deacons pray an offertory prayer? especially if it's, you know, a smaller church and they've got a certain number of deacons and they pray all the time for the offertory. And you know when Brother Joe gets up to pray the offertory prayer, you know exactly what his prayer is going to be because he's going to say the same prayer every Sunday he prays the offertory prayer, right? Huh? Anybody ever been there and heard that? Yeah, you're laughing and grinning because you know I'm telling you the truth. It's just habit. And again, genuine people... Good people love the Lord, but we fall into these ruts. We fall into these routines, these rituals, and, and it results in a prayer life that becomes boring. And therefore, we, we give up and we struggle and we don't, we don't pray much. Now, Jesus said something about that. In Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters of Matthew's, a sermon Jesus preached, a very famous sermon. And in chapter 6, in verse 7, in the middle of this sermon, Jesus said something about prayer. Notice what he said in verse 7. He said, when you are praying, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. King James says vain repetitions. Some Bibles talk about don't babble or babble on and on. When you are praying, do not babble on and on. Do not use vain repetitions as the Gentiles do, as those of other religions who don't know God do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, is Jesus saying that you're not supposed to pray for anything more than once? I've actually had people ask me that before. Preacher, if I ask God for something more than once, is that a sin? Does that mean I don't have faith? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. There are things I pray for all the time, things I've prayed for many, many times. It's not wrong. It's not a sin. It is not a lack of faith to pray about something more than once. That is not what Jesus is teaching here. In fact, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable about a judge who didn't like people and had no fear of God. And that's a good judge. He doesn't like people and he has no fear of God. And there was this widow who needed his help. So she came to him, and he did not want to help her. But, man, she kept coming day after day after day, pestering him, and eventually he helped her. 
the reason Jesus said he helped her was because she was bugging him to death and he literally said, she's going to wear me out. So to get her to leave him alone, he helped her. And in verse 1 of Luke 18, the Bible says Jesus told that parable, told that story for the sole purpose of encouraging us to always pray and not lose heart, not give up. Jesus taught that we are to be persistent in our prayers, consistent in our prayers. There's nothing wrong with praying for something more than once unless it becomes chapter 6, verse 7, meaningless Vain repetition, babbling on and on and on. Words that maybe have some meaning to us because of the past, but they've lost their current connection to our heart and to our mind. And so we're saying these things, we're praying these prayers, and we're not even thinking about what we're saying. We're just doing it like a robot. We're doing it because it's habit. We're doing it because we're supposed to have a quiet time. And all of a sudden, the mind's not engaged and the heart is not engaged. Look at the different ways that passage is translated on the screen there. Don't babble. Don't babble on and on. Don't keep on babbling. Don't use vain repetitions or meaningless repetitions. You see, in a lot of religions, people memorize prayers and they say those same prayers over and over and over. And it's just like driving that car. We're going there by habit. We're not even thinking about where we're going. Not even thinking about the turns. We're just like in zoned out, right? And we're going. And that's how religion can become. That's how prayers can become. In Jesus' time, people of pagan religions would often recite a deity's name over and over and over and over and over and over, thinking that if they said it enough, that deity would bless them. And in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is in the city of Ephesus preaching the gospel of Jesus, and a pagan crowd becomes angry. And for two hours, we're told in the book of Acts, for two hours, nonstop, they shouted over and over, great is Artemis, great is Artemis, their pagan idol, thinking that if they just said it long enough, there would be blessing there would be favor our prayers can become that um you remember the draw the circle devotional we all worked through back in january and february i think will we gave out what about 900 of these books or so and so many of you spent time those two months in this and god did a great work in a lot of lives and if you still have your copy don't get rid of it because we're going to do it again next year but i've been looking back at some of the devotionals lately and And I was struck by day 29. The day 29 devotional in this is called A New Prayer. And he uses the verse from Psalm 96 that says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Let me just share with you a little bit of what he says in that day's devotional, day 29. He said the key to spiritual growth, and listen, the key to spiritual growth is developing healthy and holy routines called spiritual disciplines. And there's nothing wrong with having routines. God created the world to turn around every day, revolve around the sun. You have seasons. God created the weekly Sabbath, etc. So God is into routines. Nothing wrong with routines unless routines become disconnected from your heart and from your mind. Then they become a danger because you begin trusting in the routine, not God, the ritual, not God. You begin having a relationship with tradition and history and memory and not with the present Lord Jesus Christ. But once the routine, he says, becomes routine, we need to change the routine. Why? Because sacred sacred routines become empty rituals if we do them out of left brain memory instead of right brain imagination. 
And then he talked about some research. He said, a few years ago, I came across a, across a fascinating study indicating that we stop thinking about the lyrics of songs after singing them 30 times. That's the reason eight times the psalmist said, sing a new song. Now, there's nothing wrong with singing a, a song more than once, just like there's nothing wrong with praying for something more than once, unless it becomes so ritualistic while you're singing, whether it's a modern contemporary song or a hymn from 200 years ago, and you're singing it, and you're not thinking at all about the words you're actually singing. If you're not thinking about the words, and there's a connect with your brain and your heart, it's not worship, it's just lip syncing. It's just saying words from memory. Because worship engages the being, engages the person, engages you. And the only way you are engaged in worship is when your mind is engaged, your heart is engaged, and your will is engaged. Otherwise, you're just saying stuff. Anybody be significant and meaningful in the sense that there's a history to it? But that's it. There's no moment at that moment there's no real connection to jesus you're not saying anything to him you're just saying things like a, a robot just like when modis and i were driving the other day over toward jackson's cafe and ended up at northwestern high school you just get in the car and go you just get in church and talk that is what jesus is saying he does not want us to do because it's, there's not much worship to it. There's not much prayer to it when that's what we fall into. And if you're in that kind of rut when it comes to singing and praying, God wants you to get out of that rut. Now, he goes on to say, can you imagine a marriage in which the only expression of love is through Hallmark cards? You never put your love into your own words. You just use someone else's words. That's how many of us worship God. When was the last time with your own words, from your own heart, you said, Jesus, I love you? When was the last time with your own words, your own heart, you said, Jesus, I adore you? When was the last time with your own words from your own heart you got on your face before God and said, Lord Jesus, I empty myself before you, I surrender myself completely to you, or is your worship primarily singing something that someone else wrote like a Hallmark card? How engaged is your mind? How engaged is your heart? Not only in singing, but specifically today in praying. That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6, verse 7. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you, in the moments I have left, some very practical suggestions to help you get your prayer life out of a rut. Because I really believe one of the reasons we struggle is, is our prayer life gets in a rut and it becomes boring, it becomes monotonous, it becomes routine. It's just like when you say, how many of you, are, I'm going to ask the kids, okay, the young people, because they'll be honest. How many of you, when, you're, when your dad or mom say grace, pray the same prayer every time they say grace? Now don't raise your hands, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Right? We are creatures of habit. 
And I get that we're genuine and, and, and there's a history. I get all of that. But I'm saying if, if that is your primary way of being with Christ, your spiritual life is in a rut and it's dangerous. When, when that happens in your marriage, you're in trouble. Some of you are still together as husband and wife, and I thank God for that, but your marriage is in a rut. There's no romance. There's no passion. You're not doing anything to keep it alive. And you're allowing the same thing to happen in your relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's a dangerous place to be. So I want to give you some practical suggestions, okay, to to help you. And, And you can take these and run with them and do as you need to. These are just some things I've learned just to get your mind thinking about how, how do you get out of the rut, okay? And the first one I want to suggest is what I call praying the Scripture or scriptural meditation. In fact, I think this is probably the most important spiritual discipline you can develop, is scriptural meditation, praying Scripture. And most of us have never done this, and we don't know how to do it, and we're even scared of it because we hear the word meditation, we think of those Eastern religions and all that. But when you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a lot about meditation in there. Biblical meditation, the word means to think out loud, to talk out loud, to say out loud, to speak out loud. Most of us, when we read the Bible, we read it how? Silently, the way we're taught in the Western civilization, just in our mind, silently. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to encourage you to have those moments in your quiet time when you read Scripture out loud. You verbalize it so that you hear it as well as think it and you engage more of your senses and watch what begins to happen. And scriptural meditation is reading the scripture out loud, then thinking about what it says, reflecting on it, and then talking to God about it. Because here's the reality. For many of us, our prayer lives are a monotonous conversation. For instance, how many of you have ever been talking to someone? (laughs) Well, you tried to have a conversation, but they did all the talking. They talked, they talked, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And after about five minutes of them not even catching their breath for you to get a word in, you wanted to say, you didn't say it, but you wanted to say, would you please shut up? And that's how we often treat God. Great prayer is a conversation where God speaks to us, we think about what he says, and we answer him. It's a conversation. But here's what we often do in our quiet time. We read the Bible. I'm going to read a chapter or nine or whatever. We read the Bible. Then we close the Bible and we lay it aside. And then we go over here and we pray and talk to God about everything we want to talk to God about and never say anything to God about what he just said in Scripture. And instead of a conversation with God, it's a monologue. God talks, God talks, God talks, God talks, God talks through Bible. Close it. Then we go over here and we talk, we talk, we talk. And there's this total disconnect where we're never having a conversation with God. And a great prayer life is a conversation, just like a great marriage involves conversation between a husband and wife. I mean, when do you talk to God about the things he's saying? Is your prayer life almost completely the things you want to talk about and seldom, if ever, the things God wants to talk about? See, scriptural meditation is a conversation. So I'm reading scripture and God's, I, I, I read it out loud. I think about it. I reflect on it. Oh, God, you're saying this. And then I answer God and it becomes a conversation. And here's what will happen when you do that. Not only will Scripture come alive, your prayer life will come alive and you will begin to change because you will find yourself praying about things you will never pray about if all you do is pray about the things on your mind. 
You will find yourself praying about spiritual things, things that will change you, grow you, challenge you, bless you, encourage you, instead of the same stuff every single time you sit down to pray. So look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 again. Let me show you how this works. When you are praying, when you're praying, so I'm supposed to pray. Lord, I have to admit that lately I haven't prayed like I should. God, I really haven't taken much time to talk to you, and I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. And Lord, what can I do? What, let, God, what, what can I do today or tomorrow? How can I change my schedule, Lord? Spend more time. Show me right now, God. Help me. And you know what? That may not sound like a King James prayer, but I just talked to my father and had a conversation with Jesus. And it wasn't from rote memory, was it? And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition. Lord, how many times when I pray, like, you know, I, God, I remember I, I was praying at Wendy's the other day, and I, I, found my, I just started saying the same old thing I always say. Forgive me for that. God, teach me to, to think before I pray. They really talk to you. And I'm just now having a conversation with God about how I pray. Now, I know that's not the traditional King James prayer you hear in church, but it's real praying. It's real praying. Because they suppose they will be heard for their many words. God, Jesus, I thank you that I don't have to convince you to listen to me. You hear me already because you're my father and you care. Thank you for loving me and thank you for hearing my prayers just because you care. And all of a sudden, I just had a conversation with God. You see, we've, we've tricked ourselves into thinking you have to read the Bible for 30 minutes. Then you go over here and you pray for 30 minutes and you don't put the two together. But prayers can be short because a good, interesting conversation is each one talks for a few seconds, right? When the one person talks forever, that's not a conversation. That's a monologue. I'm encouraging you to have a conversation with God because all of a sudden God will start talking to you about different kinds of things in your spiritual life that will change you, transform you, grow you as a disciple and make you more like Jesus Christ. You're in Matthew chapter 6. Look down at verse 16. 16. When you fast. Wow, Lord, I'm supposed to fast. When was the last time I fasted, God? I haven't been willing to give up food so I could hear you. I haven't been willing to turn off the TV so I could hear you. God, I haven't been willing to tune out the white noise so I can hear you. Verse 19, look at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Verse 20, but store up treasures in heaven. Lord, am I working harder at my relationship with you than I am at making money? Lord, um, how much treasure do I have in heaven? God, I've got be, to be honest, Lord. I don't know if I've put much up there. Or lately, Lord, it seems like I've been so distracted with all these other burdens and concerns. I've been putting all my energy into that and not much into you. Now, what I'm trying to do is very quickly model for you on a very brief level what it means to pray Scripture, do scriptural meditation. I want you to do one. Look in chapter 6. You've got your Bible. Look at verse 24. The first phrase. No one can serve two masters. Take, two, take, take 30 seconds right now, 30 seconds in your mind and talk that out and talk to God. No one can serve two masters and talk to God.
And if you're uncomfortable with the silence, what does that say? Do you understand how talking to God about what he says is a different way of praying and gets us praying about things we never, ever pray about that are important to God? Because if the only thing I pray about are things that are important to me, my prayer life's not what it needs to be. It's not a conversation with my Savior, with my Lord. It's too much about me and not enough about him. So that's one suggestion. Here's another one. How to add variety to your prayer list. How many of you have a prayer list? Anybody got a prayer list you pray through? Anybody got a prayer list? Mom, don't be bashful. You got a prayer list? Well, some of you need to write a prayer list. But here's the thing. On your prayer list, you want to pray for your family. So you pray for your spouse. And how many of you pray the same prayer for your spouse every single day? How many of you pray the same? I'm going to pray. I'm going to write my prayer list, and you pray the same prayer for your children every single day. And after a while, praying that same prayer every day, week after week, month after month, you start getting bored with your prayer life. And because of it, some of you don't even know where your prayer list is anymore. Right? So let me just show you a little technique. And you can do with this what you want. So much variety here. You want to pray for your spouse. So I want to pray for Monisa. And on Monday, maybe on Monday, I pray for her health and related issues. Maybe on Tuesday, I pray for her spiritual life, her walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe on Wednesday, I pray for her job and her role as an employee. Maybe on Thursday, I pray for her role as a mom. And on and on I could go. Maybe on Friday, if she's she's part of the welcome ministry, and I pray for how God will use her here on Sunday in the welcome. And on and on. And I might have two, three, four, five things every day I pray for her. There may be one thing I pray for every day, but I can pray for my wife every day and it not be the same monotonous prayer every single day that I get bored with and like I said I know some of you think it doesn't sound spiritual talk about getting bored with your prayer list but that is a problem for most of us in this room whether we want to admit it or not do the same thing with your children do the same thing with your extended family. On Monday, I might pray for my brother and his family. On Tuesday, for my sister and her family. On Wednesday, for a certain group of cousins. You can, you can design this however you want. And what you will find is if you do this consistently, you'll end up praying for more people consistently more often than if you pray the same prayer every single day. Does that make sense? You want to pray for the church. Just an idea. You can do it however you want to, but on Monday, pray for the deacons. On Tuesday, pray for your Sunday school class. On Wednesday, pray for people to be saved during the invitation. And on and on you go. You can pray for a different staff member and, and their family each day of the week. You know another way you can pray for your church and not get bored? Every Sunday, pick up a copy of this bulletin. Doesn't sound real spiritual, but I'm going to tell you how to make it spiritual. Every Sunday, pick up a copy of this bulletin. It has all these panels. Monday, you pray for everything on this panel. Tuesday, everything on this panel. Wednesday, everything on this panel. Thursday, everything on this panel. Friday, everything on this panel. And you've just spent the week praying for your church and you haven't prayed for the same thing any day. It's having a process, having a tool, a plan, and then working it. You want to play for America? One day pray for the president. Another day pray for the Senate. Another day pray for the House of Representatives. Another day pray for the upcoming election. Pray for the Supreme Court. Pray for the state governor. Pray, whatever. 
your career, job. Who do you pray for at work? What are you praying about? You could take this and run with it as far as you want to and have a prayer list that went on forever and ever and ever and ever and never pray the same prayer every day. And I promise you, if you'll do something like that, you'll pray more often, more consistently for more people because you won't find yourself getting bored because you're saying the same old words every single day that after a while lose their connection to your heart and to your mind. One more thing. On the back of your insert, I put a summer prayer focus. Three suggestions for you praying this summer. I want to encourage you June, July, and August to use this. Keep it in your Bible when you have your quiet time. The first one praying for your family. The second one praying for your church. And the third one praying for yourself. You can spend one week praying for the top category, second week middle category, third week bottom category, and then start over on the fourth week. Or you could take one bullet from each category a day and pray for all three categories, but just one bullet. However you want to organize it, use these tools to help your prayer life be effective because it's a whole lot better to do this than just not pray, like most of us just don't pray. And so change your routine. If If your prayer life is in a rut, Get out of the rut by changing your routine. If you never get on your face before God, when you go home today, find a place alone in life. Just get flat on the floor and talk to God if that's something you don't ever do and see what happens. If you always pray silently in your mind, pray out loud. If you never journal, write a prayer and let God begin to engage your being, your senses, and get out of that monotonous rut that has a way of just killing your vitality with Jesus Christ. Shake it up a little bit. Just like some of you need to go on a date and shake up your marriage. Shake up your prayer life and let God renew your passion. And here's what I want to say in closing. I could talk for hours about practical things like this, and I'm not an expert on prayer. I've just learned a few things, and I share this with you to get your imagination going. But do something. Because if you keep doing what you've done, you're not going to get anything different. Do something. But the real key, here's two real keys, keeping your heart right with God. Just like you've got to keep your heart right in your marriage, you've got to keep your heart fresh with God. And the reason I love praying Scripture, Scriptural meditation is what he said there in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way, anything in me, God, that gets me off track and lead me in the everlasting way. Because when I pray the Bible, when I have a conversation with God, God's able to show me where I'm off track and what I need to do. Whereas if the only thing I pray about is what I want to pray about, I don't ever listen to God. Because I'm always in charge of the conversation. Search me, God. And when you pray scripture, God's going to take his word and he's going to shine a big old spotlight on your heart, on your life. And then you got to deal with it. One of the things that kills a lot of people's prayer lives is we don't want God dealing with the stuff in us. And so we don't pray because when you pray, God deals with it. 
And it's a lot easier to be a good church person, a good religious person, than it is to let God deal with the stuff and transform us into a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's just a matter of which one do you want to be. You want to be a good Baptist? You want to be a good church member? Or do you want to be a good follower of Jesus Christ? And then the last thing is obeying Jesus. This, this teaching on prayers in the Sermon on the Mount, do you know how Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount? You go to the very end of chapter 7. You know how Jesus ended the sermon? He said, listen, the wise person, the wise person who hears everything I've taught in this sermon and does it is like a man who builds his house on solid rock and the rain falls and the waves crash and the house stands. But the foolish person hears these words I've preached in this sermon and doesn't do anything with them. And he's like the man who builds his house on the shifting sand. The rain falls, the wind blows, the waves crash, and his house comes tumbling down. And what Jesus has said about prayer that I've been talking about this morning is in the middle of this sermon that he says if you're smart, you'll listen and do something with it. But if you're foolish, you just go on your merry way and not pay any attention. So what kind of Christian do you want to be? What do you want your prayer life to be like? All of us are going to struggle. I've struggled. You've struggled. But don't allow the fact that at times it's a struggle to be an excuse to stay in the rut. Let God get you out of that rut. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song. And you are invited when we sing to come to this altar and talk to God. There are a lot of us in this room who need to get on our knees today and say, God, the truth is my prayer life right now is a mess. Maybe you need to say, God, there was a time when my prayer life was really, really on fire. But right now it's, it's pretty cold. And I want you to forgive me and God, help me. Here's what I'm going to do, God. Just talk to God about it. Just talk to God about it. There, there are people in this room who need to join First Baptist Church, not because you want to be on our road, but because you want to make a commitment to help this church do Jesus' work in this community. So you need to make a commitment. It's just like when a husband and wife stand before God and say, I do, they're making a commitment. That's a whole lot different than just dating. And some of you are really good at dating this church, but you need to make a commitment. Others of you need to give your heart to Christ and become a Christian. So Will and the team's going to lead us in singing. Jamie and I are here at the front. Counselors are here. You come and pray at this altar. Come and make your decisions. Let us know what God is leading you to do. Let's sing together. You come.